Just in case uh, any of the, uh, of the ladies imagine that that last verse, verse 17, doesn't include them. Um, there are two words for, for man in Greek, anthropos and gune, and one of our theological professors all used to, always used to make a joke of anthropos. He used to say it was man embracing woman. And the man of God here embraces all the women. Okay? No one is left out. Let's just uh, ask God's blessing as we turn to his word, shall we? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we bless you that no one is left out, that you speak to each one of us. So we pray that you'll speak to us convincingly and convictingly this morning, clearly, and help us to understand and respond. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Just to clear up a little bit of confusion, years ago, the second Sunday in Advent used to be called Bible Sunday because the prayer book collect um, was concentrated on Scripture. I don't know whether you remember it, if you've had any kind of background of prayer book worship. I can remember it from my school days. Almighty God, who has given us all Holy Scripture for our learning, Help us to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest. Wonderful, wonderful words. Read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest. God's word. So, Second Sunday in Advent was used, used to be Bible Sunday because, as I say, the collect concentrated on Scripture. Well, someone in authority, I don't know who it was, decided that we're not going to celebrate Bible Sunday on the Second Sunday in Advent anymore. We're going to shift it to some other part of the Christian year, but I am old-fashioned, friends, as you know. I'm sort of antediluvian, really. Um, you know the story about the Archbishop of York, Dr. Coggan, who was talking to a bunch of school kids, and one little boy looked at him and he said, were you in the ark? <laughs> and Dr. Coggan said, no. So the little boy said, well, why weren't you drowned? I feel a bit like that sometimes. I'm, I'm, I'm old-fashioned, and um, I, I still celebrate Bible Sunday on the second Sunday in Advent. Well, that was, the, that was last Sunday. <laughs> but there was so much going on last Sunday that there wasn't really time or opportunity to do it justice, so we're thinking about the Bible today. Sorry I've made a mess of the liturgical calendar, but I'm sure you'll forgive me. So let's just have a look at the second reading that we uh, shared just now that Norna read to us, uh, to Timothy, and chapter 3, and particularly verse 14, 15, 16, and 17. Verse 14, as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. There are three things I want to share with you this morning. And the first is this. We've got to know God's word. We've got to know God's word. How many of us really know the Bible? How many of us 
can really say that the Bible possesses us, lives within us. <laughs> that may seem a bit frightening, a bit deep, but you know, it isn't really. Yes, we know bits of it. We're perhaps familiar with bits of the 23rd Psalm or John 3.16, something like that. Christians today seem to me to be such a confused bunch, and I include myself in that. The questions that face us in the world are very perplexing and frightening sometimes. And it seems to me that sometimes my faith fails me. But if I say that, I'm wrong. It's not my faith that fails me. It's me that fails my faith. Me who fails my faith. If only we continued in what we have learnt and have become convinced of, we know those from whom we've learnt it. How from infancy, or perhaps not from infancy, but from a very young age, we have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what God's Word is for. We've got to know it. And the best way to know it is to read it every day. And that's why I've got these Bible notes in front of me here this morning. Um, this isn't by any manner of means a comprehensive selection. Scripture Union. Um, Jenny and I have used Scripture Union since a very long time ago when I was about 14, 13 or 14, I started using keynotes. I've been with Scripture Union ever since. Um, this is called Encounter with God. This is the uh, set for those who want to go quite deeply into God's word, um, but there is also Alive to God and there is also Daily Bread. At least I hope there is. I haven't checked because the Christian bookshop is in Horsham and... Uh, I forgot the last time I was there. Now, that's Scripture Union. Then, of course, we've got the Crusade for World Revival, Every Day with Jesus. Many of you will know these notes. These are really, really good, excellent notes. That's, that goes on a three-monthly basis. This goes on a two-monthly basis. And I've got here some um, Crusade for World Revival um, stuff for young people. That's obviously for teenagers. And this is for um, younger people. It says here in God's word, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. Now, our young people will learn it from you, won't they? Won't learn it from other people. They'll learn it from you. And so, these are really good, good ways of helping our young people to know God's word. And there are others. Um, these are from the Bible Reading Fellowship called Guidelines. I know some of you use the UCB notes, the United Christian Broadcasters. Dear friends, can I plead with you to read God's word and to use something to help you. Don't be like the man who opened his Bible just at random and read and Judas went and hanged himself and wasn't really very inspired by that. So he opened his Bible again and it fell open at Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he read the words, and go and do thou likewise. 
really, that is a very foolish thing to do. Don't read the Bible randomly. Read it in a systematic way so that it can teach you. And there's no better way of getting close to God, of knowing the Bible, than reading it every day. Now, outside in the concourse, there is a table with some sheets of paper on. And please, if you would like, if you don't already take Bible notes, if you would like me to get them for you from Horsham, from the Christian bookshop in Horsham, I can do that. So those sheets of paper in the concourse are there for you to sign. Please, please, please sign them. But it's not right, really, that the minister should do this, is it? Not really. We need a volunteer, someone who will be our Bible reading notes coordinator. Now, I wonder whom God is calling to do that. I'm sure God has someone in mind to do that. Who is it? Is it you? Come and see me afterwards if it is. Even if you think it might be. Okay? So we've got to know the Bible. We've got to know God's word. And the second thing is that we've got to exercise God's word. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. I love Hebrews chapter 4. It's a wonderful chapter. When we were praying for Zimbabwe just then... um, and Alec was, was reading from Hebrews 4. I was so encouraged. In verse 16, it says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Wonderful assurance that God will hear our prayers. But in verse 12, we have this incredible verse. The word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and actions of the heart. The word of God is a powerful thing. If only we saw more of its power here amongst us. There's a young man in Zambia called Royd Chisengo. And when he was a young lad, when he was a teenager, he was a thief and he was a gang leader, a robber, a mugger. But then... And I don't know exactly how this happened, but he heard someone read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And God's word went straight to his heart and he thought, I want to be a new creation. I'm fed up with this wretched life. I want to be a new creation. And so he gave his life to Christ. And now he's working in Zambia as a Bible society distributor, and the greatest satisfaction he has is to see other people's lives changed by the same power which transformed his own. But you see, we've got to give God's word an opportunity to transform us, haven't we? Verse 16 of 2 Timothy 3 tells us that the Bible is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. But we've got to use God's word, we've got to exercise God's word. All too often, we don't. Now, this last week, we had a wonderful, wonderful event in our family. My daughter-in-law and son and two grandchildren came to live with us temporarily in Rycroft. And that was a, a, a wonderful blessing. 
But you know, when you have small children, Valerie Jane is three and David is ten months, when you have small children, you've got to make the house safe, haven't you, so that there are gates everywhere now. And granddad, or grandpa, as I am grandpa, he put the gates up. But you see, the problem is that grandpa is a bit of a bodger. And instead of using the right tools, he used a pair of pliers to put the, the gates up to tighten the nuts. And they weren't really tight enough. And so my son came to me and he said, Dad, have you got a, a, an adjustable spanner? And I said, do you know, I think I have. It's probably up in my tool bag. Let's just go and have a look. So I went upstairs, opened the toolbox, took out all the rubbish that was there, and I said, look, there's a pair of pliers. He said, no, I don't want a pair of pliers. I want an adjustable spanner. So I said, well, I think, I think there might be an adjustable spanner in that toolbox in, in the roof space. And here it is. And of course, when he used this, the nuts were tightened to the proper degree and the gates didn't collapse whenever you trod on the bottom bit. The job was done properly. Now we've got to exercise God's word because God's word is given us for a specific purpose. It is useful for teaching. In other words, learning about God. It's no good going to the Encyclopedia Britannica if you want to know about God. Go to the scriptures. That's where you'll find the truth about God. Rebuking. The Holy Spirit rebukes me when I read God's word. Because I know that what he speaks is true. Correcting. We all need correction. We make mistakes so many times. And training in righteousness. Let's use the proper tool. And the proper tool for living the Christian life is the scriptures. In the highlands of Nepal, there's a tribe called the Tanangs. And one of them has a wonderful name. He's called Black Bravery. He'd been a witch doctor until his wife became critically ill and he turned in utter despair to Jesus Christ. Now he is the pastor of 43 fellowships. I've only got two. 43 fellowships with a membership of tens of thousands. A great spiritual revival has come upon the Tamangs and instrumental in that is the witness of the Bible Society because they've been able to give those people the Bible in their own language. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing even to the division between joints and marrow, soul and, uh, soul and spirit, judging the thoughts and actions of the heart. So we must exercise God's word and, of course, Last of all, we must use God's word so that we might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that the men and women of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Because all scripture is God-breathed. Is it literally true? It's true. Of course it's true. But as I was saying to the children, there are different kinds of truth. There's a wonderful incident in the book of 
Deuteronomy, when Moses goes up the mountain after the golden calf has been destroyed. He goes up and he speaks with God. And he says, Lord, don't abandon this people. Blot me out of your book before you blot anybody else. And God says, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. I will decide. And Moses says to God, I want to see your face. And God says, you can't see my face. No one can see my face and live. But I tell you what, you can see my back. (laughs) And what I'll do is I'll put you in a little cleft of the rock. And as I come towards you, I will cover you with my hands so you can't see me. But as I go by, I will take my hand away and you can see my back. Now, dear friends, God hasn't got a back. He hasn't got a front either. Because he's non-corporeal. He hasn't got a body. In St. John chapter 4, Jesus says to the woman at the well at Sychar, God is spirit. In other words, he is total spirit. He hasn't got a body like you and me. You think of that. you, you, You have back pain, don't you? Well, God never has back pain. In spite of the fact that he's got a back in the book of Deuteronomy. What does it mean? It means... We will never be in front of God. We will always follow. And that's the essence of faith. Not knowing the answers to the questions. That's the truth of God's back. Not that he's got some sort of incredibly huge and and, and, and dominating back. But that we will always be one step behind, always be disciples, learners, always followers, always with unanswered questions, always with a necessity to exercise faith. And faith is what you need when there isn't any certainty. And faith is so much better than certainty. It's got that element of excitement and wonder and glory about it. So, yes, there are different kinds of truth in God's word, but we can trust it totally. There is nothing in this book that will deceive you. There is nothing in this book that will mislead you. Oh, there are difficult parts. Of course there are. That's why we need guidance and understanding. But as we hold God's word in our hands, as we read it every day, The Spirit will speak to us, lead and guide, inspire and build us up in Christ. But we've got to use it, haven't we? We've got to know it. We've got to live by it. We've got to possess it so it can possess us. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we know that it is entirely trustworthy. We thank you that it comes from you, that it is God-breathed. We thank you that it is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the men and women of God can be thoroughly skillful and equipped to live the Christian life 
in an increasingly hostile society. Bless us now, we pray. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.